0: Welcome back to Great Move North. More light and longer days opens opportunities to explore stunning surroundings for those who've decided to swap a cityscape for something seriously different. If you've ever wondered if a move is for you or even if you're just about to do it, then this might be the place for you. We meet the people who've made that move and jumped. Supply chain problems can hit all enterprises, particularly as energy costs and prices soaring. But Andrea Ward's supply chain is a little further stretched than most and the challenges to get shoes to the shoppers of her busy little Dales market town are arguably unlike anything any other retailer has to face. Riots, looting, volcanic eruptions and detours across oceans are just some of the challenges she's had. Yet she's still smiling and amazed that the life she's now chosen allows her to walk the streets at night without fear. Andrea Ward, it's lovely to see you again.
1: Thank you, and you.
0: Now, tell me, this has been a pretty eventful week. Um, I know before we set up this chat, there was a big delivery. Just rewind for me, what the last forty-eight hours have been like in shoe speak.
1: Well, I think the 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 word that comes to mind immediately is massive relief. Um, I finally received my order that I placed in April. So it should have been here about two or three months ago, but because originally my supplies machines broke down on one of one of the um, products. Your supplier so in South Africa. My supplier in South Africa. That's right. Um, so so that delayed my order by about a couple of weeks, and then my shipping company was due to pick up this shipment on the very day that riots broke out in KwaZulu-Natal um, because Zuma had been put into jail. So um, the, the roads were all closed so they couldn't pick it up. Eventually it got to the harbour and um, I was actually at that point quite relieved because my, my my shoes still existed because I didn't know if they had been um, looted or burnt down. Um. So they get to the harbour and um, the harbour computer system got hacked. So they were then delayed again and put on another ship. But because of all the delays from the riots and from the hacking, everything just took forever. Eventually, they got to Cape Town because they had a few stops on the way. And then. um, So we're still
0: in South Africa at this point? Still
1: in South Africa. Two (laughs) weeks after they've left Durban, it usually takes three weeks to get from Durban to London. And then. We're talking
0: six to seven months.
1: So then, uh, for some reason, the ship took twice as long as normal, but it had a stop off in Las Palmas. Uh, And the day before it was due to dock, the report came out that there was going to be a volcanic eruption. So it got um, diverted into the Mediterranean to go to Spain and then another diversion. Eventually got to London and because of the pandemic and Brexit, everything's taking longer. So instead of taking the normal three days to get through customs, it took two weeks. And, um, yeah, eventually got put on a lorry and was about to be delivered um they were in malum um which you know is not very far away <laughs> a lot closer than south africa and i received an email saying terribly sorry but the lorry driver had to go home on an emergency so um they would just be delivered the next day and funnily enough i just thought wow how about that <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my
1: goodness. No big deal, really. Who was expecting anything else?
0: Wow, what a marathon. And you're yeah. still smiling.
1: Well, you know, the thing is that I, I market my shoes as adventure shoes. <laughs> but I kind of mean that to happen after you've got them on your feet, not before.
0: Wow, that's <laughs> extraordinary. So you, you, all that was missing was the plague of locusts. You literally had the volcanic <laughs> eruption, the looting. I mean, things can get fairly lively around here on a Friday night, but uh, uh, looting and riots uh, in the Yorkshire Dales, small market towns. No. <laughs> not part of a script.
1: When I was telling my customers who were waiting for orders, I, I actually... Um, sent them evidence that the that stuff had happened because I thought, well, if somebody told me that, I wouldn't believe it.
0: So the next question is fairly obvious, Andrea. Why? Why are you sitting here talking about shoes manufactured in South Africa in a shop that I happen to know opened midway through the pandemic?
1: Um... Maybe I just like a bit of punishment. <laughs> um, so I, I've been wearing these shoes for over 10 years. So I, I, I've always wanted to have a shop, but um, not just selling anything. It had to be something that I believed in.
0: And you were wearing the shoes in South Africa?
1: Yes, I was already buying them in South Africa before I even thought that I would ever be moving back to England. Okay. Okay. Um, So then um, I moved back here with my son three years ago. um, And the opportunity came up last year in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) to open up the shop. So it's something that I've wanted to do for so long that I didn't actually sit down and think, hmm, maybe opening in the middle of a pandemic is not such a good idea. I was just like, yes. Finally, I'm going to get to open my shop selling these beautiful shoes. And I just went ahead and did it.
0: And as you know, we're talking about a great move north. That's a fairly long distance. What was the driver that brought you, you said, back
1: to here? Yeah, so in, in, when I was in my 20s, I studied in London. And I lived there for a decade. Um, then in Russia for five years... Wow. Um, Whereabouts? I was in um, Moscow for half the time and then in Siberia in a town called Krasnyarsk. Uh So I was there teaching English. Good boots. <laughs> Actually, I had a pair of DMs. <laughs> really? Keeping
0: they don't the make steps. them like that
1: anymore. <laughs> wow. Um I also had some furry boots and some furry hats and some furry coats. Um, And then I moved back to South Africa and I had my my boy. Uh, The plan was never to move back to England, but things in South Africa got a bit tough. What about Durban. Okay. So, you know, it was great. We used to go surfing a lot. Um, Fabulous lifestyle. Um,
0: but just a difficult situation
1: then. Yeah, things, things were, it's, things got pretty tough out there crime wise. And, um, so, so I decided that it would be best for us to, to move back to England. And the reason I chose Yorkshire is because my grandfather came from Yorkshire.
0: Right. Not London then?
1: No, no, no. (laughs) London was great in my twenties, but I wouldn't be able to live there now. Um, Property
0: lifestyle, property costs, lifestyle, or j- any other reasons why not London?
1: Um, I I, I wouldn't like because of my son. Okay, you know, I wanted him to. He's he's on the um, autism spectrum. Okay, so it's a, a lot easier for him because they, because um, they, they're so they take so much stuff. So I thought a little. Rural town somewhere where he could just walk to school um, and have a very simple life uh, would be the best. And um, it is. (laughs) Wow.
0: Well, that's lovely. So you came back here from South Africa three years ago. Um, Nobody, this is all before the pandemic and everything that's.
1: Who would have thought?
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you do then before you started this adventure? Did you just... Um, in South Africa? No, in, in, um, when you came back to the UK.
1: Um, I was just kind of chilling out, looking around, seeing what was going on. I, w- I was um, working with a few charities, Okay. Um, getting to know people, getting to know... Because it's the first time I've lived in a small town. I've always lived in cities and suburbs. Um, So that was quite a a bit of a culture shock.
0: What was the biggest (laughs) difference?
1: Um, Because everybody knows everybody. So just walking from one side of town to the other side, you bump into people that you know. And I didn't actually know how to deal with that at first. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? It depends who the person is that you're bumping into. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, generally, I'd say it's a good thing, um, but it w- it just took a little bit of adjusting to, um, I, I, I was so used to um, not ever being noticed that, um, I, you know, I remember taking the train to Morecambe one day just so that I could walk down the street and know that nobody would know who I was.
0: A metropolis of Morecambe. <laughs> Anonymity. It was nice
1: to see the sea.
0: <laughs> and do you miss that from Durban?
1: Um I do. Yeah, but it's been replaced with the hills. Um which roll like waves, you know? Um so I love going walking and walking's a lot less dangerous than surfing. I I had a surfing accident just before we came over actually. Um the the day before my 50th birthday. Um, I went for a bit of a tumble, and my um, fin slipped my leg open um, 20 stitches later. So I couldn't walk for a few months after that. So I didn't really, (laughs) you know, not not surfing was all right.
0: Now, we started talking about the most recent 48 hours, and I happen to know that the last eight of those hours been pretty hectic as well
1: well I've been I've been trying to unpack my shipment but because so many people were waiting for their stock their boots and stuff they've all been coming in to fetch them and then seeing other stuff that they didn't know was coming in and trying those on and a lot of people have come in for their one item and ended up buying two or three so um wow. which which is a lot of fun you know we it, it's like a big shoe fest we're so. surrounded
0: by boxes from your shipment you've not had an opportunity even to completely unload unpack them all yet <laughs> no, and this people is are half. coming on saying coming in saying my boots are they ready for walking
1: yeah yeah wow
0: best day business wise
1: oh uh, yeah like by far <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Well congratulations. Thank congratulations, you. Andrea. And is that is that down to um the the counterintuitive notion of having a shoe shop opening in a small town like this when we're told that the retail crisis has meant that everybody has to buy everything online and no shops um, uh, can survive.
1: Well, the advice I was given was that I met three really good criteria for opening up a, a shop. Um, it's a unique product. I'm the only person who brings these in into the country. Um, they're handmade, so, so because they're sustainable, they're environmentally um, friendly. Um, which is uh, what a lot of people are going for now, um, and because they also support a um, a project in South Africa, which um, trains up uh, local communities, which were, you know, have a history of being quite impoverished. Tell me about so, that. So the uh, my supplier has is on a farm, and they have a workshop there. They're in the hills um, by the Drakensberg Mountains. And they started just after apartheid. Um, They decided that the best way to support the local community was to create a little workshop where they could teach them skills um, and give the local community jobs. Um, um, Amanda, who, who, who runs the company, who owns the company, she doesn't actually deal with the shoes very much but what she does to the kids of all her employees she takes them to school to extracurricular activities she sits with them and does their homework.
0: That's amazing how many people are employed do you know?
1: I think it's about 10 or 12 in the workshop and then they've also got a shop where they I think that that's another three or four people and since I've left South Africa they've also started a, a, a like a backpackers so they have people staying there so they've also employed people to to work in the backpackers and they've got a little restaurant thing there so I haven't seen it. I, I'd actually quite like to go back to South Africa and have a look at everything that they've done. Sure sure. So um, those
0: employees then are they literally working the leather and handcrafting and stitching uh, the shoes and boots which are eventually you know dodging uh, pandemics and floods and plagues and volcanoes <laughs> making their way to the Yorkshire. Yeah, Delta?
1: so what they do is they have patterns that they work to, so they they'll cut the the leather out. Um, and then sew it uh, with a machine, um, but hand, but but not. It doesn't go in one side and come out the other side. Somebody actually holds it as it goes through the through the machine to do the stitching, and then somebody else will put the sole on. So they they do use some machinery,
0: sure. but
1: it's all um, it's with them using their hands with the. The machine. I mean, you know, any cobbler will be using a, a sewing machine to sew to sew their shoes up.
0: And how are they being received by fell walkers, for example, in this part of the world? Because there's plenty of suppliers through the Yorkshire Dales so, and, so and these, the Lake District.
1: These offer what they offer is um, because because it's all natural. It's all you know, the leather's all a natural product. Your foot can breathe. Mm um and they're quite a broad fit as well so a lot of people have a problem um finding walking shoes that are or boots that are broad enough so so that is um the the kind of people looking for that will go for these but then other people who are looking for um stuff that's super super waterproof they won't necessarily want these yeah um because because then you need that plastic um Outer which is going to keep your feet dry a lot Mm. of people don't like that because it makes your feet smell Mm. So, you know, there's always a give and take with whatever whatever you decide And I can see
0: other natural products around us here There's there's socks and and so on. Tell tell me a little bit more about that.
1: I will only sell something if it's environmentally conscious, you know, if it's an environmentally conscious product. So if something has plastic in it, I'm not going to sell it. Uh, These socks are all 75% wool or more. So um, as soon as you start wearing woolen socks, your feet don't smell so bad. Um, They're a local product, uh, so so they're they're all made in either England or Scotland, and they feel great. <laughs> and do
0: you keep that um, it's I get this sense that you've got a close affinity, obviously with the South African suppliers, but as you're choosing your suppliers, so that when you're talking to your customers, you almost have a sense of the product's provenance. Yeah. From a sustainable and environmentally friendly perspective.
1: yeah, that's you know and, and because they're handmade, they last longer and they can be repaired. Mm. Um, so so yes, yeah, so, uh, in every way they're they're sustainable. Uh, and th- and that's the way things are moving now. you know people are starting to understand the importance of it and something which I wasn't expecting, but somebody told me that since they've been wearing these shoes, the eczema on their feet has cleared up.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, because,
1: because now, you know, because it can their feet can breathe.
0: Well, so I, was, I was going to ask you about your customers. So tell me a little bit more about, because you've started from scratch. You've built a customer base against all odds. You've got a year under your belt, which is amazing in the context of the pandemic. And you've clearly um, built some loyal customer following w- w- where are the customers coming from
1: I'd say 50/50 some of them of half of them are locals yeah and the other half are people who are traveling cuz settles a tourist town sure so um you know they'll um some people are just really shoe people and they'll come in and buy two or three pairs of shoes because they know that they're going to be unique um they're super comfortable um yeah, and and then, you're
0: the only supplier in the UK. Yeah, from this township near Durban.
1: Well, it's yeah, it's in Howick. Yeah, so I'm the only one bringing them in.
0: How have the how have the other retailers um, treated you? Because this is a small community. You're completely new to the uh, to the area. How have you found? Um, you've been received?
1: Well, uh, we've got a really good cobbler in Settle called Dan Nelson. Um, and before I, before I decided to open, I went to see him and asked him how he felt about it. And he said that he didn't consider me as competition because his, um, his products are all bespoke. So you actually go into his shop, he measures your feet and he makes a pair of shoes for you. But he's got a three-year waiting list, so it's not as if he's struggling <laughs> for for customers. Um, and he's also very environmentally conscious. So the more people who wear handmade shoes, you know, the happier he is too. Um, and then the business across the road from me, they sell, I think they've got some handmade shoes in there, but most of theirs are machine made. Okay. So I'm not really in competition with them either. Okay. Um, and we send customers, you know, I send customers to them if they're looking for waterproof stuff that I can't offer. And they send customers to me.
0: So on the Welsh border, we've got Hay on Wye as the book town. On the English Further up in Cumbria, we've got Sedbar as the book town. Is this the shoe town?
1: <laughs> it looks like it's going that way, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> the draw then back to South Africa, initially then, back in South Africa, it was good?
1: Yeah, it was great. I loved being back there. It was nice to be with my family as well. Um, and And it was really nice to bring my son up in a very outdoorsy way. You know, he cycled a lot. We surfed yeah so so i think those those first years were quite important um physically and also there was not so, so we didn't even have an internet connection at home right. so he spent the first 12 years of his life reading books because we didn't have a tv either um i don't think he's picked up a book <laughs> for a while um because now he's he's very into his computers
0: so the Situation then obviously started to change. You touched on Zuma earlier on, you touched on what happened and that led eventually to the move here and for the best interests of you and your family. Um, It's interesting, isn't it, looking back on those moves, the instability or upheaval politically, um, and then you come back to the UK... (laughs) um has has that sense of stability provided a new anchor is it different what is the what is the contrast
1: i remember when i first got back thinking how it felt like being turned upside down and inside out because culturally it's completely different um you know south africa you you can't walk down the street it's too dangerous, so you have to drive everywhere. And here I am in Settle, where I live five minutes away. I don't even have a car. There's no public transport in South Africa. Uh, here, one of the reasons I chose Settle was because of the, the train and the, the bus access. You know, one one train and you're in Leeds, or, uh, or in um, Morecambe, <laughs> if you go to Giggleswick. Um Tell me, Andrea, you can get to London in two or three hours. That's just not an option in South Africa. You have to have a car.
0: Does a car give you safety in South Africa?
1: No, because a lot of people on the roads, because of the corruption, you can buy your licence. So a lot of people don't actually know how to drive properly. So you're constantly under stress looking around. And then the, the roads are full of potholes and people just cross the road and animals cross the road. So, so you constantly, um, you, your adrenaline in South Africa is pumping all the time. Um, you know, you don't know who's in your garden at night time. You're hearing gunshots. And and everybody in South Africa knows somebody who's been murdered. And everybody in South Africa knows somebody who's been killed on the road. So it's, um, you don't really, I didn't really realize it until I moved back here how buzzing on adrenaline I was. It took me a while to to come down out of it and I remember waking up in the middle of the nights and it was so quiet and I would just take this deep breath and just love it. And I used to go walking around at night as well just because I could. (laughs) Really? Mm.
0: And what about the cultural fixes here?
1: Um, Culturally, it's very different. I I have to be... um, um, very careful about what I say um, because PC is really big here and it's really not big in South Africa at all people just kind of, you know, blurt stuff out they don't think about what they're going to say um, and sometimes I, um, I stick, I'm I sticking my foot in my mouth but people are quite forgiving <laughs> the, the British are very, very kind Um, well
0: they're well shod feet that you're putting (laughs) indeed (laughs) and that obviously that that tolerance that approach um to engagement with the people that you meet i'm just interested in the compare and contrast with the three-way with russia so you've gone russia south africa and back to here what an extraordinary journey
1: I lived in Miami as well for a year when I was (laughs) twenty. That was that was an experience as well.
0: So we'll throw in London, Miami, and (laughs) and the Yorkshire Dales. It's um, it's amazing, but the um, the adrenaline driven gunshots are are, are missing here in the middle of the night because you're strolling about in your wonderful handmade sustainable shoes and boots. Um, What about the other cultural experiences? music or theater or drama or anything
1: there's uh, just so much available here you know in, in every way there are so many opportunities um, you know my the, the, the stuff that my son has access to at school um, you know because he, he he loves his physics and his math so in their physics classroom they they have you know and it's a it's a government school I don't even pay to send him there Um and also, because he's on the autism spectrum, that's a huge difference as well. Here, um, you know, he, he, he they're so switched on at school, and they make massive allowances for for kids like him. And also, he's he he's his whole little group at school that they're all kind of they, they all hang out together, and they they're all on the spectrum. So he's met others who are like him.
0: Would that. Would that sense, it's hard to tell, but obviously, had you chosen London or the commuter land, would that sense of stability, do you think, have been as easy for your son?
1: No, I don't think so. I, I, I think one of the reasons I, I chose Settle was because, you know, I looked at crime statistics before we moved over. Yeah, so, and Settle was, um, well, this whole area, because originally I was going to move to Skipton. But yeah, no, I I checked out the the crime statistics and they're a lot lower around here than most other places in the country.
0: Well, you've had an extraordinary journey um, and an extraordinary few days. Uh, Congratulations on getting your shipment here Uh, in one piece and also um, the queue of customers today. And long may it continue.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Lovely to chat to you. Thank you, Andrea.
1: Thank you.